0: TD Auto Finance is proud to be the only truly full spectrum lender in Canada. No matter the circumstance, we have options for all your customers' auto financing needs. Contact us at 1 855 TD Auto 1 to find out more today.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the December 15th, 2023 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Lason, the digital and mobile editor at Automotive News Canada. Our guest this week recently sat down with Automotive News Canada Toronto Bureau Chief David Kennedy to reflect on a trio of Stellantis sedans that surpassed expectations for years, generated huge profit margins for the automaker, built a number of cult followings, and were in large part designed by a Canadian. We'll hear all about how the Chrysler 300, Dodge Challenger, and Dodge Charger came to be, and since their production ends within the next few weeks, what's next? We'll get all of those answers and more in this abbreviated conversation between David and Chief Design Officer for the Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Maserati, and Fiat brands, Ralph Gilles, on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. David began by asking Ralph how it feels to still see the Chrysler 300 rolling off the assembly line 20 years after its debut.
2: Yeah, it's, it's gratifying um, in, a, in a lot of ways, a lot of battles behind the car, uh, a lot of our era, you know, the car. The company's transitioned, yet it's a constant in our transition, right? We look back at, at all that we've been through as a company, uh, very exciting changes, like gr- a lot of growth. Uh,
0: there's still this uh, piece of us that's, uh, that's here for, you know,
2: based on how people are preserving the cars, I see even the older, the original one, um, well-maintained and celebrated, so people seem to love them, and it's not just the car. Uh, it's a part of their lives a bit of a it's iconic in in many ways so that that's really exciting i think that's a permanent
1: thing so just when did ralph realize the car was going to be a hit he explains when and how he came to that realization
2: well, I think when we took it to clinic, you know, there had been uh, several cars in the running and that that design came from uh, a few fathers. There's a lot, always a, a lot of fathers. Uh, I took a shine to it. I really thought they were on to something in the, uh, the advanced studios. Uh, my head of design at the time, our, our leader did not uh, like the car that much, but I really did. So I kept fighting for it and. And kind of uh, wanted to at least give it its chance in the clinic, and that's when we saw something different. Uh, the reactions were, were very different. It was not just talking about the style of vehicle, but it was emotive. People were talking about the memories they had and positive things and Americana and everything, but the car actually it was all a lot of. It just stimulated a lot of thoughts and conversation. And then on top of that, it reignited a discussion about Chrysler that we hadn't heard in a long time.
1: David then asked, "How much of the design is Ralph's?" how much comes from others in the design process, and how it all came together. Here's what he had to say.
2: You know, I, I pride myself with taking things to production in, in terms of getting the, the, the theory of the car was established, um, you know, by Mr. Hubbock in the advanced studio, and, and uh, at the time... Um, uh, Freeman Thomas, Freeman Thomas was, was in charge of our advanced studios. But as typical advanced, they kind of get the rough, the rough idea in, you know, a big drill, uh, small windows. But the original theme was very, very truncated, almost uh, cartoon-like in its proportions. So our studio, I was uh, in charge of the rear drive studios and we let's say, corrected the proportions, made it more feasible, made it a real e sedan then gave it a little more uh, stance that's one thing we really worked with engineering on to give those 20s room to breathe i mean that was one of the signature parts of the cars and we, we knew at the time we launched with 18 inch wheels but we designed it for 20s uh knowing that the community the aftermarket community would would figure that out very quickly and that's exactly what happened and it became a canvas at that point so uh we kind of understyled the car on purpose it was kind of some people call it slap-sided when it came out it was kind of but that was all, all on purpose, because I, th- I always believe if you have a reductive design that's not overstyled, people see themselves. In it. Yeah, that outsized grille had very small windows, but the rest was very clean. And that allowed the car to flex in personality, uh, depending on the owner's ch- uh, choosings or even buzz models or derivative models we ended up making later on.
1: And like anything, there were challenges. Ralph talked about some of the toughest.
2: Uh, funny things like the grill. We, um, we wanted more grill than, than the engine needed, um, free motion. <laughs> I, I remember growing the grill even bigger than what the advanced model was. Uh, then the size, the wheel size, because we didn't really need 20s for, for performance or brake packaging. It was purely design. But ironically, it was a dual exhaust. Um, engineering was trying, cause the 300M, the car that preceded it had a single, uh, dual but single side exhaust. We wanted the, the duals to kind of really celebrate the Hemi engine at, at the time. Uh, it was the first time we put the Hemi in a car, uh, was, was in that particular uh, model at the time. Um, and believe it or not, the, the the budget of the program was right on the edge, so doing that was really tripping a lot of wires with engineering. But we finally, I just showed it to the CEO of the company at the time, Dr. Zetcha, and uh, they loved it. And yeah, so that battle was won by force, let's say. But. <laughs> In retrospect, it was the right thing to
1: do at the time. So why was Brampton picked to assemble the 300? Ralph explained.
2: Uh, it was a good, great plant. They had done our sedan before. The Eagle Premier came out of there. Um, they were very comfortable with the complexity, the, the challenge of quality. So yeah, we had really good luck with it at the time. And I wasn't part of those decisions, but yeah. it kind
1: of felt natural for it to be there. And David had to ask, did Ralph have any idea we'd still be talking about the 300 20 years after its debut
2: no i can't I, i'm not gonna oof, retrospect uh, is 2020 in a way but no I, I didn't think it would go that long i thought maybe a, eight, a good solid eight years would have been great uh, so it's exceeded all of our expectations but again the platform was good uh the fundamentals of the car great great handling uh still contemporary even to this day the performance numbers it puts down Uh, are fantastic. The aerodynamics, the car is, is, let's say, as blocky as it may seem, has phenomenal aero. Uh, So it gets really good, you know, relatively good fuel economy for any segment car. So it's just, uh, it's really an all-around vehicle that does so many things right.
1: The Chrysler 300 isn't the only car that will cease to be assembled in Brampton, Ontario at the end of this year. The Dodge Charger and Challenger are also ending their runs. Ralph was involved in those cars too. He explained how those came to be.
2: So the, the, before the the, the charger, there was the Magnum, and the Magnum uh, had to be discontinued to make room uh, for the Challenger. So. So Dodge, Dodge had to kind of shoot because we couldn't handle all the cars at the same time. So in our studio, we had looked at once we got the cars done, we got the first three cars finished. We started working on the Challenger as an idea. We took the wheelbase short it. We always wanted to do a muscle car, some kind of coupe. And then we kind of played around with the proportions and it worked really well. It took a lot of fine tuning. And once our, our management uh, saw the design, we we threw that package over to our studio in California at the time and they did a bang-up job of what became the concept car and uh once the uh, public saw the challenger concept i'll never forget i, I couldn't even believe it you know mr lasorda at the time said we're going to build this in less than two years and we all fell off our chairs uh and I, we actually did we did it in 22 months which was a record i mean i still stand actually to this day as one of the quickest to production cars ever um so they all you know they share a lot of uh, mechanicals uh, which made the business case really solid um in, our, in the backdating and updating is something the aftermarket's also figured out. You know, the, the chassis has been around a long time, uh, so the parts can be swapped and people do a lot of neat things to the vehicles as they upgrade or, or kind of combine. Sometimes they even combine the face of the Charger on a Magnum, which is, which is a very interesting uh, change to do. So very interesting. Every one of the models has found a fan. Or uh, some kind of of audience for it. When I go to Carlisle in in, uh, Pennsylvania, I could see it with my own two eyes. You know, the the people that are attracted to the the four different models over the years, they have a common thread, but they're very different people, and, and they celebrate the cars in different
1: ways. The muscle cars haven't been completely overhauled over the years, but there have been subtle tweaks and upgrades, most of them inside. Ralph Explains.
2: The format hasn't changed. The basic proportions were were pretty solid to start with, but we have spent a lot of time on the tech. Uh, The interiors were were, uh, vastly upgraded uh, during the journey of the vehicles. A lot was the touchscreen. It was one of the first cars to to really take the touchscreen on went even further. And then as we got better, we we had a a task force on interiors that I started uh, back in the day, and those cars all got brand new, beautiful interiors with soft materials, uh, aluminum stamped bezels, uh we tried to, you know, up our game on the the seat, the quality uh, the stitching and all that stuff. Um and it did really help us, you know, move the needle on on perceived quality but actual quality. If you look at the the transaction prices of the cars able to command a premium now with some of these uh, the muscle cars, you know, transacting at astonishing, you know, being traded even after sale at Second Life uh at really good values, which tells us there's something um that's working there. So yeah, we spent a lot, uh a lot of energy on the interiors. Um and then probably the Challenger enjoyed the most uh, variants uh, because it's just a fun canvas to play with. You know, we I can't tell you how many hoods we've done for that vehicle and fascias and wheels and, and all kinds of uh, derivative models in terms of buzz models that have caught on and, and really have their own,
1: again, at their own uh, subculture that supports them and likes them. Ralph then praised the work on and advancement of the vehicle's powertrain.
2: I'll give engineering a lot of credit. Let's not, you know, the engines have also progressed beautifully. You know, the the Hemi powertrains have, have gotten more and more powerful. Uh, started off at three hundred forty-five horsepower,
1: four twenty-five, four eighty-five, and then seven hundred, then eight hundred, and now a thousand. I mean, just uh, <laughs> an incredible uh, story when you, when you look at that as well. Ralph then explained how and why rear-wheel drive came to be on those cars. Yeah, it wasn't obvious
2: because the, the 300m was quite successful you know the previous generation Concorde and um, lhs uh,
0: they were very successful in their own right and very advanced vehicles so some people in the company saw the
2: rear drive as being a retro almost going backwards in technology but we found out very quickly with the hemi powertrains um front drive was was not able to manage uh, over 300 horsepower it was quite difficult uh, so rear drive was was almost necessary and then even a the transmission type that you can put behind uh we knew the car was going to evolve in power so the rear drive was a no-brainer. Uh, also, dynamically, um, you know, uh, drifting and <laughs> doing burnouts looks better on a rear-drive car. That was actually part of the subconscious. I think we were thinking about uh, making a true muscle car, a true high-performance car. But at the same time, these were premiums. And when you look at the premium E segment, they're all rear-drive. You know, and then later on, we introduced all-wheel drive uh, into the view Actually. All of them enjoyed the uh, 300 has an all-wheel drive. Even, even the Challenger has an all-wheel drive variant as, as the Charger. Uh, so, yeah, so we basically have, have sliced things about as many ways as you can.
1: <laughs> we'll be right back after this short break.
0: At TD Auto Finance, we recognize the importance of stability in a partner and pride ourselves in giving you the support you need to grow your business. As the only truly full-spectrum lender in Canada, our specialized sales, credit, and funding teams, and competitive programs give you the flexibility you need to support your customers in almost any circumstance. Contact us today at one 855 Auto one to find out more about our six-time JD Power award-winning service, innovative products, or even how we can help you find a floor plan financing option that suits your business needs.
1: Welcome back to the podcast where we're hearing from Ralph Gilles. So with the 300 Charger and Challenger all but in the rearview mirror, what's Ralph's day-to-day look like today? He explained.
2: Uh, It's busy. I mean, we have many brands. I mean, I'm responsible for about half the portfolio. We have, uh, as a company now, Stellantis has 14 brands that we, we have decided to support uh, luckily, they're spread around uh, markets around the world, you know, a lot of brands don't even compete in the same markets, that helps. Um, uh so having a bit of a uh, out-of-body experience every time i go from one studio to the next you know one day i'm doing a jeep next to ram then a dodge even maserati I, I talk to my friends in italy often um so my day-to-day is that you know a lot of coordination a lot of um, uh I, I call it clearing the hedges in a way you know clearing the brush for the teams to operate properly uh, i have a lot of, i'm blessed to have a lot of the years here over over um, 31 years in the company which has given me some insights and and some, you know, I can kind of see how things are are going on a program and and get in there and try to fix things. But yet I still uh, look over the design. So I get to choose the sketches. I enjoy that the best. At the end of the day, I'm still a designer, even though I've had some commercial time, um, and and sit on the, uh, management team of the company. Uh, I really love uh, being in the studio with the team and and literally looking at ideation sketches. just like,
0: I did when i was uh, you know 25 years old and part of my job today is, is really working with a new generation of designers i mean these young you know designers are as enthusiastic about uh the
2: automobile as i i've always been so we don't we didn't do it on purpose we don't tend to hire for that reason but uh they get infected with it and that i think um transposes itself to our customers you know they get it and we do walk among them A lot of our designers spend time um, at the clubs you know you know literally blending into the community or listening
0: online or jumping into the chat groups and and really understanding uh, what the customer
2: loves about their vehicles and it's a powerful thing and we respect that and we actually use that as as rocket fuel for our creative ideas.
1: And how does Ralph and Stellantis keep the muscle car design alive in the electric vehicle era?
2: Well I've got like I said a, a very dedicated team of engineers are working on that as we speak. We have previewed um, a concept i think that's been well received the banshee concept uh, i think is a is a good let's say bellwether for where we're headed at least our intent um you can see the mopar goodness is still there you know we're really respecting our heritage but yet pushing uh for a futuristic very efficient design that, that is also at the same time functional uh something i'm very careful about and the team is aligned with me is to always blend uh fun and function Right, because these cars sometimes it's, it's a sole car someone owns. Uh, happens to be a muscle car, but he has a, a good sized trunk, can fit five adults. You know, so once that formula is protected, we can have a lot of fun with the the aesthetics and uh, at the same time, making sure we wave the flag of the brand. You know, I, I want, I want to, when some people say I have a Mopar, it, there's a certain pride to that. You know, well, that means something, right? It's not a car you can just walk past, it, it grabs your attention. So there's all that mixed into the future products. Um, so stay tuned, but we're uh, we're committed to them, and and they're they're on their way.
1: And is there a successor, or at least a spiritual successor to the 300? Here's what Ralph had to say to that question.
2: I would say yes to the spiritual part, um, aesthetically, or or let's say when you look at a spiritual successor. I don't think people are going to say it's it's a new 300 per se, uh, but it's, they will say it's
1: it's a fantastic uh, new Chrysler. it there i hope they say that anyway david ended the conversation with a question about the jeep compass which will replace the 300 and the muscle cars on brampton's assembly line did ralph have a hand in the compass design
2: of course i was very very deeply involved in that um and there'll be more uh, news on that when the time comes but it's it's uh it's meant to be uh hopefully as relevant as ever Um, again that that vehicle i could say is a very important vehicle for, for the brand
1: I'd like to thank Ralph for his time spent with David and thank David for conducting the interview this week. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, have a suggestion or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.